Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our current series, Parenting in the 21st Century. We are living in a world that is rapidly changing due to pandemic confusion, social media, smartphones, divisive media, racial issues, and an ever-changing culture. Because of this, raising a child in Christ and preparing them for the future can be very difficult. In this four-part series, we'll take a look at God's Word and cast a vision for how we can raise our kids to their own faith in the 21st century. To watch any of our previous messages or find all listening platforms, we encourage you to visit www.valleybrook.cc forward slash on demand. Enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. I want to welcome you here to our campus here in Granby and also to our online campus. We're glad you're joining us, and we also want to invite you back next week. We're in the middle of this series called Parenting in the 21st Century, and, uh, you know, I need to say this on the front end, you know, if, if you're a teenager, if, you're, if you don't have kids, if your kids are grown up, if you're not married, the reality is, even though I'm talking about the context of parenting, all of this applies to how we relate with people in this world. And by the way, this isn't based on a parenting book. This is based on God's Word. And so, you know, it's important that we understand that God's Word speaks to specific areas of our, of our lives, but also to how we live our lives as individuals. Now, Speaking of parents, for, the, for those of us who are parents or those of you who aspire to be parents or, uh, you know, those of you who have been through the parenting years, you know, the reality is this. We all have had some type of dream for our children, some type of dream that we hope for our kids. Now, depending on the kind of person you are, you may have even had goals for your kids, maybe that you stated for them or maybe that you didn't. For instance, maybe it's a dream that they attend a certain college, or maybe it's a dream that they become an athlete in their preferred sport, or, or maybe it's uh, that dream that uh, you have picked out the best career for them. But here's the deal for parents. At some point, we have to come to the realization that uh, our child's dream has to be their dream and not ours. They have to own it. Now, I don't remember exactly when this happened in the context of my parenting years. Well, truth of the matter is, I guess you never stop being a parent. My kids are grown. They're all in their 20s now. Uh, but the reality is, you know, you're still their parent. Um, but, but somewhere along the way, I, I had this realization as I had those dreams for their future and what their life would be, be like, I came to this realization that ultimately what my dream was for them is that they would become happy independent contributors to the world as followers of Jesus. Really, uh, nothing more, nothing less. But, but I realized that that was what I hoped for them, and that was really important uh, in my life for them. And, and to be honest, this was preceded by a, a foundational decision that Cynthia and I made about how we raised our kids. And that foundational decision was that we wanted them to know that we would always love them no matter what. I can remember saying it, some, saying it to them something like this. You know, I would say, you know, there is nothing you could ever do that would make mom and I stop loving you. We, we wanted them to know that our love for them was always there and it was always without conditions. Now, the, the reality of that statement is that uh, ultimately the idea behind it, it's not mine. That statement reflects how I see that God loves us how I've come to understand how he loves us. So that's how our Heavenly Father loves 
his children. Now, if you've ever scoured the Bible looking for what Jesus would say about how to raise kids, the reality is you're not going to find any parenting tips from Jesus specifically about parenting. But what you are going to see is that Jesus specifically speaks to this foundational idea about how we should be a good follower of Jesus. So as, follow, as parents, how thus we would be good parents. He laid that foundation when he said these words. A new command I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. So that really becomes the foundation of all our relationships and for parents, particularly for how we love our kids. And that foundation was one that the other followers of Jesus that were inspired by the Holy Spirit to write other books of the New Testament come to us. And so the Apostle Paul has this foundational chapter in the book of 1 Corinthians about love. And in it, he writes about the power of love. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Pastor David began to... Uh, walk us through uh, some parts of 1 Corinthians 13, and today I'm going to pick up there. By the way, if you missed his message, you can listen to it on our website. So let's jump into this idea of parenting in the 21st century. Here's the first thing we need to know. Parents, we need to encourage. We need to be encouragers. We need to encourage our children, our grandchildren. We need to encourage them. You know, when you read through the, the New Testament, over and over again, you're going to see the Apostle Paul will tell his readers how as followers of Jesus, they need to encourage one another. In 1 Corinthians 13, the verse that we're going to look at doesn't specifically say encourage, but it's clear from those words what the Apostle Paul is talking about. So let me share them with you from verse 4 of chapter 13. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. So parents, if you're struggling with your feelings of envy or you need to boast about yourself or if you're prideful, it's going to be hard for you to encourage your kids. And here's why. If you struggle with envy and your child does something worth celebrating, you're going to be jealous of their success and you will not want to celebrate it. But it needs to be celebrated. If you struggle with being boastful, you're constantly seeking ways to get recognition, and you won't like it when your kid gets the attention instead of you. If you struggle with pride, it's going to be hard for you to celebrate your child's success without pointing out what you think he or she could have done better. So it's important for us to understand this. And it's important for us to, un to celebrate our kids' successes as well as other people's. And Scripture tells us that we need to be people of encouragement. I, I really appreciate the words of Pastor Andy Stanley. By the way, his, his teaching has inspired this series. And he points out that parents should never use sarcasm with their children. And then he goes on to say this, that, that sarcasm, particularly with our kids, but honestly with all people, but particularly with kids, it carries a weight to it. When we're sarcastic to our kids, it carries a weight for them that's too heavy for a child to carry. Because really, sarcasm is the opposite of encouragement. Now, let me be clear. I'm not talking about that over-the-top encouragement uh, that we say to our kids that nothing they can do is ever wrong. But what I'm saying is, is that we need to recognize 
that God tells us to love one another, specifically our kids, by encouraging them. But we need to make sure that we are people of encourager, of encouragement, especially with our kids. So we need to consider ways that we can do that. We need to be intentional. We need to make sure that envy and pride don't get in the way. Here's the next thing that we see in 1 Corinthians 13. We need to teach and honor and model honor. We need to teach and model giving honor. This is what we read in 1 Corinthians. Love does not dishonor others. In the book of Romans, Paul states it this way. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. So think about this. Families, organizations, governments, and other entities that operate on a culture of honor will always be successful. You see, you don't have to agree with someone to still honor them. You can actually have intense emotional disagreements, but if honor is the rule of those relationships and respect is the norm, then those loving relationships can continue to be maintained, even though you may have disagreements on certain ideas. Parents need to not only teach honor, but they need to model honor at home between each other so that their children will see what honorable relationships look like. So moms and dads need to show that they can have conversations and they can even work through intense conversations with each other in honoring ways. Their kids need to see that so they'll understand how that can happen. Now, I want to go back to that verse from Romans. It says, honor one another above yourselves. What that's saying is that in our relationships, we need to put everybody above ourselves if we're going to honor and respect them. And think about this. Isn't that what Jesus did? Didn't he put us above himself when he said, I love you so much that I am willing to go to the cross and die for you? He put us above himself. He said, I will do this because I love you. So we have to look for ways to honor one another. We have to build it into the culture of our lives, into the culture of our families, into the culture of any environment that we have the ability to speak into. Let me go back again to the entirety of verse 10 from Romans. It says, be devoted to one another in love and then honor one another above yourselves. How do we stay devoted to one another in marriage? We do that by honoring our spouse above ourselves. Now, think this through for a moment. In parenting, do you know why asking your kids to honor is so important? Because asking your kids to honor others is actually superior to asking them to obey you. When you tell a child to obey you, at some point in their life, they're going to say, well, how can I get around this new rule? How can I get right up to the line without breaking it? But when you ask them to honor one another, there's no loophole. There's no getting around it. You either honor or you dishonor. So it's important that we teach them and model, them, model to them what honor looks like. And this is so important because in parenting, 
We want to maintain our relationship. The Apostle Paul says this, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. So in other words, what he's talking about is maintaining the relationship. To maintain the relationship, we've got to honor one another. We've got to keep peace with one another because that's the most important thing. So with that in mind, let's talk a little bit about discipline. What should be the goal of discipline? Should it be to punish bad behavior with the hopes of improving a, a child's overall behavior? You know, basically behavior modification. Let's go back to this idea of honor. The opposite of honor is dishonor. When we dishonor someone, we damage the relationship. When a child disrespects or disobeys or is dishonest, they dishonor their parents and they need to be disciplined. But the goal of this discipline should not be to punish the behavior. The goal of the discipline should be to restore the broken relationship. Now, punishment may modify bad behavior, but it doesn't, it doesn't restore the broken relationship. So if your child is disrespectful to you and you take away some valued possession like their phone or you, you ground them for a week so they can't participate in their favorite activities, does that restore the relationship? No. In fact, it can even make the relationship worse. It can create a bigger fracture in the break. You know, at the core of every transgression is a damaged relationship. And in fact, that's what the Bible tells us about our relationship with God. Our transgressions, our sins separated us from God. They damage our relationship with God. And the reason Jesus came and sacrificed his life to be the ultimate payment for humanity's sin was to remove the barrier, to restore our relationship with God so that if we believe in him and accept his forgiveness for our sins that separated us from God, we'll be forgiven and the relationship with God can be restored. So let's talk a little bit more practical. Uh, if discipline is supposed to restore relationship, how do we teach our kids to do that restoration? So think about this. Uh, maybe they lied. Maybe they disrespected someone or maybe they disobeyed you. In all of those instances, a relationship has been damaged. So what needs to happen to restore it? Well, first, we would teach our kids, you know what? You need to apologize for what you did. And more specifically, we would actually probably want them to own that apology by saying, I'm sorry. And then maybe even being specific. I'm sorry for what I did. Mom, I'm sorry that I lied to you about my grades. Dad, I'm sorry I broke the curfew. But there's a second part to this because we know that when we do something, it damages a relationship, and that means something's been taken from the relationship. Think about this. When somebody has done something like that and they need to apologize, what do we say? You owe so-and-so an apology. You owe them an apology. We owe them because in our dishonesty or our disrespect, we've taken something away from the relationship. So I appreciate what Pastor Andy Stanley says. He says, after my children would say they were sorry, I told them that they had to follow it up with a question. And the question was this, is there anything that I can do to make it up to you? Recognizing that by breaking the relationship, they had taken something from the relationship and now they owed something back. 
from Andy Stanley. Let me give you an example of how this worked in his life. Uh, he and his wife, Sandra, decided that when they started having children, they would have just two rules. And these rules were all about keeping relationships honorable. The first rule was honor your mother. He figured if I honored my wife and I had the kids honor Sandra, then they would honor me and then that honor would just trickle down into all their relationships. The second rule they had was this, don't tell a lie. In other words, be honest. And all of this was because both of those rules were about keeping relationships connected and restoring relationships when they were broken by disobedient, disrespectful, or dishonest behavior. So he tells a story. One day he came home uh, from work, and uh, his wife uh, was uh, beside herself. One of their sons had been disrespectful to her, and not only was he disrespectful a little bit, but so much so that he actually uh, emotionally hurt her. She was devastated by what had transpired. When Andy heard about it, he said, you know, I was so angry and I wanted to discipline him right away, but, but I knew I needed to think about it. So he said, you know, I knew I needed to cool down and I, and I needed to be intentional about what I was going to do to discipline my son because I knew at the heart of this incident was a relationship had been broken. It had been fractured. It needed to be repaired. And so as he thought about it, he decided that this was what he was going to do. He was going to ask his son to go and talk to his mother and invite her out on a dinner date. He was going to have to ask her where she wanted to go to dinner. He was going to have to take her there, dress up and take her to that place for dinner. And he was going to have to pay for the dinner. Now, when he told his son that, his son's immediate response was, you've got to be kidding. But he said, no, I'm not kidding. And so he did. He asked his mom out on a date. He dressed up. He drove her to the restaurant that she wanted to go to. They had dinner. He paid for it. But in the course of that meal, what happened? conversation happened. And of course, the elephant in the room had to come out, what he had done and how it had hurt her. And in the midst of that conversation, there was an, an apology where he owned it. And there was a relationship that was restored. And that's the key to how we're supposed to live, to restore relationships. Whether this is in a parenting to a child relationship or in any relationship, we need to do that. Let me circle back and emphasize one last thing. Remember I said that we have to uh, model, on, model honor with our kids. What our children see us do is more powerful than what we tell them to do. You could say it this way. What is caught carries far more weight in our children's lives than what is taught. What is caught is far more important than what is taught. So whatever you think should be important to your child's life, it will be more likely to become part of their lives when they see that you live out that it's important to you. If you want your child to respect your spouse, then you need to respect your spouse in front of them. When your kids see you honoring other people and restoring breaking, broken relationships, they will understand. That's the mode of operation. 
when your kids see you uh, make time for things that are important to you as a follower of Jesus, like reading the Bible, like praying, like attending church, they will understand that that's going to be important for them to grow, for them to be able to do that, to grow in their relationship with Jesus. This week, I was listening to a podcast, and it actually happened to be an interview with Andy Stanley about a book that he's recently released, and, and he tells this story within the book, and I want to share it with you because it really helps us get at the heart of what I'm talking about when it, when it comes to modeling. You know, he was uh, talking about the ability for us to ask ourselves a question about our lives. And this is the question. What kind of legacy do we want to leave? What kind of legacy do we want to leave? You know, at the end of our lives, what will people say about us? What's the, the legacy that we want people to remember? And then he shared a story about a childhood friend that he had grown up with, and now they were adults, and his friend was going through a very painful divorce. So Andy got together with his friend, and this is what he said. He said, you know, I know this is hard to imagine, but one day you're going to look back on this whole divorce and all the hurt and all the anger, and it's just going to be one small story in your life. And one day it's going to be a story that your kids are going to want you to tell to them in a different way when they're older. So please, Andy said, please make every single decision in your mind with that in mind. What story do I want to tell about this time in my life when it's nothing more than a story? In other words, what kind of legacy do you want to leave? So Andy was saying, you know, I know it's painful right now, but your ex-wife is still your children's mother, and she will always be their mother. So don't dishonor her to your kids. Don't poison your kids about their mom. Model honor and respect, even though you feel dishonored and disrespected. And then Andy said, you know, you may feel justified, but is that the story you want to tell years from now? And is that the story you want your kids to remember and tell? You see, as followers of Jesus Christ, what we teach our kids will live on as a legacy. What, how we live in this world will live on as a legacy. We all can think of dishonorable events that have happened to us or that we've witnessed that we remember. Why? Because we're shocked by it. But when honor is the norm... There's no shock. There's just a sense that this is how we're supposed to care for one another. And as followers of Jesus, this has to be the norm. The parents, grandparents, we all need to recognize this. Actually, even those of us who haven't had kids, we need to recognize that we have an influence on the children that are around us because they see us and how we live and how we interact, how we speak to one another, and we're leaving a legacy. So encourage your kids, encourage your grandkids, encourage kids that you may see here at church or out in the community, encourage them. Don't tear them down. Make time to listen to their questions. Teach them to honor one another by the words that you say and the way you live your life. And teach them about the things that are important to you, your faith in Jesus Christ. 
Share with them how it's important. Model why it's important. Carve time out with them to read the Bible and to talk about their faith. Let your kids catch you doing the things that you say are important. You know, let me just say this too. You know, as a church, we've always said to parents that uh, you are the main teachers of your children when it comes to faith and our role as a church to come alongside you and partner with you. And I recognize that during the past 10 plus months of this pandemic, it's been hard for us to partner with you because we've been cutting back on so many in-person activities. But I want to share this with you. Uh, We have started to re- Uh, open our building for our children's ministry and our student ministry. So we want to encourage you to take part in that. Uh, If you have questions, send us an email or, uh, you know, go on our website and you can find out more about what's happening. I want to close in time, in this time with a prayer. And let me say this, you know, a lot of what I've been talking about comes through the context of being a follower of Jesus Christ. If you've never made that commitment to follow Jesus That's really what I'm talking about, honoring one another, believing in Jesus, and and, and following him. This is at the core of what it means to do everything that I've talked about. So I want to give you the opportunity to profess faith, and then I'm going to pray for all of us as we seek to encourage and honor one another. So let's bow our heads. Father, as we come to this time, we recognize that you call each of us to you. And for someone who may have never put their faith and trust in you, to know that God loves you and wants to honor you and for you to be his follower, uh, maybe this is your time to decide that. So if you would like to pray this prayer, just put it in your own words. I'm going to give it to you a phrase at a time. Dear God, I believe in Jesus. I believe that Jesus died to pay for my sins. And I believe that Jesus rose again from the dead. And now I want to follow him all the days of my life. And now, Lord, I want to pray for all of us. Lord, I pray that we would seek to follow your example, that we would recognize that as you have loved us, we're supposed to love one another. And that includes encouraging one another and honoring one another and being devoted to living the way that you have lived for us. So Lord, I pray that we can lean into that, that we can do that in a way that becomes natural and normal for us and that we can model it for our children, for our grandchildren, and honestly, for everyone who sees us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.